What's up and welcome into the lead block. Happy Friday, everybody. It's week nine of college football. I am your host, Tyler Walters, alongside my main guy, Matthew Anderson. Matthew, how you doing? Great, man. Good to see you. Week nine already. It's going by quickly. Yep. Getting we're in the heat of it. You know, I was like talking to producer Brendan yesterday and he's like, I haven't looked at the slate. How's it looking? I was like, you know, I haven't even looked myself. I know there's one or two big games, and then we're at the time of the year where you just pull it up. And for all the kind of subpar weeks we've had this year, the weeks like this one make up for it. You got uh, one, two, three, like three or four top ten teams playing ranked ranked opponents this week. Would have had a ridiculous matchup in the Big Ten had Wisconsin not let me down last week. Uh, that's what Wisconsin does. You think so. that if they don't lose last week, that North Dakota State, South Dakota State is no longer the host of game day, and instead they go to Ohio State? Yeah, they always try to go to North Dakota State. That's what I thought. Um, a year, but I think they would have to. I mean, like, I, uh, like Ohio State, Wisconsin, like, how could you? Not yeah, do that? how do you, how do you not? And they haven't been to Ohio State this year. They haven't done an Ohio State game, so not that I can recall not this me year. Either. Um, but yeah, I I do love when they're in Fargo, though. Oh, you like it? It, yeah, it's beautiful. Have you seen where they set up their, where they usually do their set there in Fargo and no. at North Dakota State? No, oh, it's that. amazing, dude. They do it like right on like their main street or whatever, and it looks like an old western town. Like, it's oh, incredible. I, I would I love to go like watch that. a football game there. Gotcha. The Fargo Dome. Um, also, the show Fargo is rock solid. <laughs> I, I just rewatched it over the summer. It's it's incredible. Um, anyway, we'll start with the Cox. Cox are going to Tennessee, uh, heading up to Knoxville this weekend. They take on Tennessee on the SEC Network at 4 o'clock, um, which is, I mean, just a an interesting game. Uh, and I'll start with this. South Carolina will underperform this week, and they will play down to the level of their competition. For sure, for sure. That is what they always do against Tennessee. Um, Halloween weekend. This is always like the Halloween weekend game. It seems to be like it's just Tennessee on the schedule. Um, the SEC's mixed it up the last couple of years. I, I used to love playing Georgia week two because um, Georgia, like Steve Spurrier used to say, you know, Georgia always at the beginning of the season has five or six guys who were suspended because they got arrested. Um, I, that's just how it seemed to unfold every year in Athens. Uh, which is, I mean, a hilarious comment to go back and look at. Uh, <laughs> you can always count on a couple of Georgia guys being suspended. Uh, when he said that, Steve it really, Spurrier. the whole, I feel like everybody was just like, of course you would say that. There's <laughs> my, nobody my else guy. here that would say it. Or you've ever heard, all right, we could do a whole pod on Spurrier comments, but you've heard the one about uh, the Auburn Library. You ever heard of that no, I didn't hear that one. So this is when he was at Florida. Auburn li- Auburn's library caught on fire and burned down or something, and he said, uh, yeah, they, he's like, so many books burned. He's like, well, you know, it's a real shame because a lot of those books ain't even been colored yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And the Tennessee, my, me, the one me and my dad always say is, well, you can't spell citrus without UT because he used to just beat the snot out of Peyton Manning every year. And, and uh, oh, man, just I, I could, I love Spurrier so much. Um, it was good. It was good to be in the. You just had a little, 
little feeling in Columbia last week when, when Sperry rolls into town. Yeah, people are always excited to see him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think people get as excited to see him as I do. Probably not. No, I mean, I love that guy. But <laughs> uh, especially Gamecock fans. They don't, they're still kind of pissed off at the way he left the program. But you know what, Gamecock fans? You would be so relevant. Yeah. Steve Sperry had never been here. So I don't want to hear it. The best three years of your lives was when he came was at the credit of Steve Spurrier. And it's funny because, like, and he's like, however mad that y'all are, go over to that indoor football facility and my name's on it. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. like, sucks for y'all. Jerry and Steve Spurrier football, what is it, football yeah, operations building, I think, yeah, is the, the title. Yeah, it's either yeah. that or the football, like, the indoor facility. It's one or two, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just just ridiculous. Love them. Uh, anyway, we'll quit talking about Spurrier. So, Cox go to Tennessee. They won three straight against the Vols, and Muschamp is 7-0 all-time against Tennessee. Yep. Um, got asked about that this week, his press conference, his comments, basically. I don't care. So, Time to become players eight, got asked. Dude, look, I some of these media guys here, I don't want to rip on them because I think most of them do a good job. I have my favorites, uh, guys that I like to read, A, because I like to consume their articles as a fan, and B, I like to consume their articles from the journalistic side. Uh, and Kendall is probably my favorite to watch in that room every week. Josh Kendall, he writes for The Athletic. Uh, the Athletic is something serious. I didn't know how good of a job they do. Oh, but dude. They are, like, top tier. Like, people actually pay to get their stuff, and no yeah. other company can get anybody to pay. That's to, like, where, I mean, I want to go into radio yeah. when I get done here at the J School. Um, but... I'm a multimedia, like, quote-unquote, print journalism major. Um, so, I like, writing is, like, kind of my specialty now. Like, this, that's, like, what it's supposed to be and kind of the skills I've formed over the last few years. Um, and, and Kendall does an amazing job with that. But to your point about The Athletic, like, that is the supreme sports writing place in the country. I mean, and now The Athletic is just scooping up more guys. Um and I think Andy Staples is Andy Staples might still write for SI, I, but no, I think he just gets scooped and went to the Athletic. Uh, don't hold me to that. He's a national college football writer. Um, but there's a lot of these like guys and in, in markets that just get some of the best ones just get plucked in the Athletic. Says, hey, come write for us. Um, and it, actually, I talked to Kendall about it a few weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, I was like, well, I, I don't pay for it. I'm a college kid. And he's like, I was like, I do think it's a, a good service and you get like I think on mobile you can get two free articles a month or something yeah um but he was like well obviously you know I'm gonna say that I think it's worth it because I that's how I get paid but uh yeah their their writing is incredible like you pay for it no ads it's awesome and their app by the way their phone app just ESPN is just ESPN tries to bury themselves in technology which frustrates me because it can be they just overcomplicate it too much. Yeah, and it's almost unusable now. Their their app, the Athletic for college football. Click college football, go over it. Lists everything by what time it's on. Yeah, what time the games are on. Um, and it's just simple to read. That's all I need. Uh, ESPN just overcomplicates me. But yeah, and, and uh, we'll go back to how we got into this is uh, being it. Must chance press conference. Some of the reporters, or some of the questions reporters asked him and players, um, and it started with you know him being seven and zero all time against the Falls. A couple guys asked players about that, and I was like, man, I don't 
these kids, they don't know this. Yeah, I can't like imagine they, they even know this. Yeah, it's like if they, and even if they do know it, they really don't care. It's they, like they, they haven't beat them seven times. Exactly, like they've beaten them. I think, I don't how many of those wins have come while Muschamp was at Carolina? Was, well, I guess this is his third year, so two. Yeah, so it's like they're um, concerned about like the right now. And really, they're concerned about only having three wins this season, so they could care less. Yes, yeah, so they could so. care less about Muschamp's pass when I is trying to secure this win this week. Yeah, they don't care. He got a couple of Florida and, um, <coughs> yeah, it's. They, I, I just can't imagine them caring. No Rico Dowdle this week. Uh, Muschamp did confirm that he is out. Um, Taven Feaster, Mon Denson will be get. I imagine Feaster is going to get most of the load. I'd probably say so. probably sixty-five to seventy percent of the load this week. But Mon Denson's a great running back. Yeah. Um, and had the pleasure standing in front of him the other day. Uh, him answering some questions. Very soft, smoke spoken, quiet, like kind of dude. Um, but yeah, he's. He's cool. Uh, uh, Brendan just handed me a phone. Oh, yeah, I saw this earlier. Uh, Rico and Tavian are the, the only two. They're the only backfield, uh, I guess, duo of backs that have 400-plus yards each through seven games this, this season. So as a duo in the backfield, they're, I mean, yards-wise, the best in the country. Yeah, it so, seems like you. Oh, and they okay. split pretty evenly. If you had to, like, describe it, what would you say? One is more of this while the other is more of that? I know Rico's a little more power, but I don't – they're very similar. Do you think Tavian's a little bit fa- – I know Tavian was, like, a 4 by 100 state championship, but do yeah. you think he's a little bit faster? Rico's definitely that? bigger. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you, you look at the two of them out of pads, Tavian's not really some huge guy. I mean, Rico's a pretty big guy. Okay. And maybe the hair. Because he's got his, you know, he has got his hair dreads, sticking up. Yeah. And he, and he has him, like, he doesn't have him hanging. He's got him, like, kind of up on his head. Yeah. Like, tied up. I don't know. Maybe that looks him, like, makes him look six inches taller, <laughs> which is a good, I mean, good technique, you know. Maybe I should spike my hair and I'll look three three inches taller. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, Rico's got, Rico's got a, a, like, a, a look. And Tavian is, like, Tavian's like this. Tavian's like talking to an old guy, man. That's what I would think of it. Yep, yep, yep. He's, That's exactly he's got like short hair. He kind of he's got kind of an accent, which I can't quite pinpoint. It's a little. It's not like Donnell Staley country, country accent. Uh, the Gamecock center, who if you have not heard talk, please just go look up a clip. That kid is from the country, <laughs> but uh, he sounds like people where I'm from. So uh, I love talk. Donnell is the man, but. <laughs> I I, I Don love L the guy. President. Yeah, it, Don Hell the other day was complaining about how uh, guys in the locker room don't let him control the music, and I'd imagine it's because Don Hell's listening to a lot of Yeehaw stuff. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, and I can't imagine a call uh, a group of eighteen, nineteen year old guys wanting to listen to country music after a big win. That, that's Don Hell. Yeah, I'm sure everybody else like put on some the baby or the young boy or something <laughs> yeah. like that. He's like, "Come on, get some." John Ellis listening to George Strait. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I like. Uh, well, back to, yeah, Tavian's. He's like an old soul, dude. He's he's interesting to listen to talk to, but they're Rico's a little more intense. But man, they're they're both like seem to be from everything I know. Like really nice guys. And they complement each other very well. Like that stat Brennan was just showing me, both of them have over 400 rushing yards, um, and they're the only duo in the country to have that. Um, so they've been very special together. And for Rico to be out this week is huge. Uh, but 
Feaster played great last week. He had, what, 100 and, 175 yards? Yeah, 170. 25 carries, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a lot of yards. like Mark Slattimore-type load yeah, here, which we have not seen since Mark Slattimore was here. Um, and because pretty much since Slattimore left, it's been some form. They have Mike Williams there, but it's been some form of a split backfield um, with splitting carries. And uh, Feaster's more than capable of being a number one back, so... I think he probably came to Carolina expecting to take that job. He just ended up elevating Rico a little more than what he was expecting to. I think so, too. But so he's like, obviously, Rico, we'll see you next week. Hopefully you get back, but you don't even get on the bus. We don't even want you to think you're playing. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get this thing going. Yeah, I mean, I don't think South Carolina fans should worry too much. Dowdle's not going to have surgery. He doesn't need surgery. Um, he will be back. They might sit him uh, – Next Home, week, homecoming. We set him for homecoming. Yeah, Vandy. Right? Vandy. Yep. Yeah. Um. I, I can't imagine you needing Rico Dowdle. You're gonna need Rico Dowdle against A and M, and you're especially gonna need him against Clemson, and you're gonna need him against undefeated Appalachian State. Saw that the other week. I was like, wow. I didn't understand they were undefeated, and so they're oh, yeah. not gonna be trying to come to Columbia. They're to top get their twenty first in loss. the nation. They're sixteen or something. They might not be quite hot, that hot, but they're they're up there. They've got a good win. They got better wins than Clemson does. <laughs> um, that one's going to hurt a few people. But look at the schedule. They, I mean, they do. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're going to need him in November. Yeah. So I think it's or late in November, those last three games. I don't think it's advantageous for them at all to, to play him next week if they don't have to. And they're going to catch another bye week there in November, too. So That is right. Yeah, you get five weeks in no five Saturdays in November this year. Um and they get a bye week right before Clemson, I believe. So yeah, I think if it's it is right perfect before time Clemson, to... uh, or either right before A and M, something like that. Anyway, um, so no Rico. Feasters in. Montenson will help split. He's more than capable as well. South Carolina saw a lot of Montenson last year. He's Ole Miss, really. Yep, he he had great. He's great on the ground. Um, uh, you're not getting quite the athleticism as you are with with Rico. But Denson will power some guys over. He's he's kind of a short, like stocky guy. Um, he's going to be fine. And then, uh, I mean, I, my biggest thing is Holinsky has just got to be accurate this week. He started off very accurate early in the year. I don't say very accurate, fairly accurate for a freshman quarterback. And he's gotten away from that, you know, especially at Missouri. And last week, Florida, he missed a few. And, um, I mean, I, I actually got a stat for this. It was a little doing some research, and USC hasn't thrown the ball for more than 200 yards. Well, Linsky hasn't since Alabama. Yeah. So we got to get back to the 200-yard passing mark, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, the rushing game has stepped up, too. Good point. Uh, but, which is fine to rely on. you. Like, you have two senior um, running backs who are both more than capable of starting most schools in the country. Um, and... If you don't think Tavian Feaster could start pretty much anywhere in the country, he, the only reason he left Clemson is because you had, like, maybe, you know, arguably one of the best running backs in the country for right sure. above, which sucked for Feaster. Just, like, he for sure would still be there starting had ETN not been playing. And, um, I mean, I think that says all you need to know. If you can start for a program that's had as much success as them over the last four or five years, uh then, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. So, uh, 
I don't I don't think you should worry too much about Dowdle being out as far as what the how much it's going to change the performance this week. Um, but Holinsky's going to have to throw, like I said. He's got to be accurate, and he's got to hit those, like we were talking about, Sun Monday, um, those intermediate routes, and he's got to be able to hit downfield routes. And Muschamp talked the other day, and downfield's been part of the game plan every week, and they've just missed him. And they've just they've got to be more consistent. Um, I was talking to one of my guys in the facility, and they were saying they put a lot of heavy emphasis on Skelly. Uh, if you know what Skelly is, it's like 707. Seven, se- yeah, 707. Yeah, seven. putting a, a lot of emphasis on that to make sure this week they can get it going because you're not playing Tennessee. I mean, yeah, Tennessee's cornerbacks, secondary has kind of been torched whenever playing against good offenses. But the thing that's going around this, at the SEC now is that USC isn't one of these premier offenses. But it's like, let's take it back to how we played against Alabama. It's like, we can be that. Oh, look, I mean, there is no doubt this can be one of the premier offenses in the SEC. You have a pretty decent offensive line, a good center with Donnell, big country Donnell. Yeah. So, um, who is a senior or a fifth-year senior? That VFN 24. Yeah, Donnell's been here since the beginning of time. Um, (laughs) Since he got it with Muschamp. No, actually way before then. Yeah. So, and then you've got some younger guys on that line who have played very well. And then you have someone like Starius Hutcherson, uh, who's been here since Muschamp got here as well, who is actually from Tennessee, Huntsville, Tennessee, I think is correct, Um, and uh, who I want to talk about in just a second. And then you have Brian Edwards, one of the top receivers in this league. Uh, You have Rico Dowdle and Tavian Feaster, two of the top backs in this league. Uh, Obviously, Rico's out this week. You have Shy Smith, who is a legitimate. I didn't realize how small Shy Smith was until this week. He's a small dude. Yeah, he is. He's a very small dude. He looks big in pads. And right. He's lightning quick. Well, no wonder he's not carrying around any weight. I mean, the guys, <laughs> he's he's not very not very tall, but incredible playmaker. Um, and then you have good tight ends. Markway's been good. Nick Muse has been good. You know, they so, used Muse a lot more towards the beginning of the season. They Hitting did. With, like, six catches. I think six. I thought he was going to be kind of like a situation where it's like, how can I say I'm not going to say the Patriots back when they had Hernandez. And I'm not saying completely all of that. But Hernandez. Uh, <laughs> to the podcast. Stay away but, from that one. <laughs> but as more of a tight end, maybe an Iowa. Like, we both yeah, okay. use the tight ends a yep. little bit more. But they've kind of regressed from that. I guess they've been just trying to get the ball out to those receivers and just find that connection. But if you have great tight ends as – as Ian was saying earlier, if you have great tight ends, it really takes the pressure off because now we have to worry about them, which opens up the field even more on the deep end. Yeah, and um, you'll like they've used them more in the running game lately. Uh, we've seen Muse come in on a lot of a lot of those twelve personnel plays that Muschamp has been running about. And there was that viral clip of him a few weeks ago he, when he's like, "Well, we got to run more twelve personnel," and they come out first play of the second half run twelve personnel uh, and score a touchdown. I'm addicted to personnel groupies, and I can't stop counting the guys when they're on the field now. And uh, Matthew's kind of asking me where I got that from. But I started, yeah, it was like I was saying, I, uh, I listen to part of my take. Pre, I mean, I think I don't, I don't miss a show. So I love listening to podcasts and just radio, sports radio in general. Um, and they had a football analytics guy on a few weeks ago talking about it. And now I just can't stop like counting it I just see it now and you can't stop and it's it's just like that football buzzword of the year seems to be it's like how cool is it to talk about personnel groupings it makes you look so smart and stuff that's uh, what I was about to say <laughs> it really does like so you're sitting there at a sports bar and it's up oh, they're coming out 11 person what does he know it's like yeah. god forbid you start talking about cover two and stuff 
Yeah, I never really yeah. realized how big of a deal. I was in high school. I think it was heading to my sophomore year, so I was leaving B team. And then we had, like, offensive meetings. I'm like, great offensive meetings. And we go in there, and he hands us, like, personnel numbers, and we have a test next week. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, we have tests for this? <laughs> and so if it's like that in South Carolina where high school football is whatever, I can't imagine Georgia. That's and, I, and I would probably say that the kids probably do better on those sometimes than academically because it's like I can't play if I don't know these personnel groupings. Meanwhile, at school, uh, we'll figure that out. Teacher, give me the grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine so, with, with the exception of – a few guys, um, like Andrew Luck, he, he was probably more interested in neuroscience and personnel groupings. But, uh, yeah, I think for the regular athlete, they they probably are pretty studied up on that stuff. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I mean those those two tight end sets have been pretty successful for South Carolina. And we'll see how much they run them this, this week with just Feaster. Um, but, I mean, it's just all, all going to go back to Linsky, I think. Um, and he's just got to hit throws downfield, and South Carolina's got to take advantage of Tennessee being a lesser opponent because they absolutely are. And to say that they're any like to say that they are on the same level as South Carolina and has as many playmakers is just not true. Um, and Pruitt hasn't; he's underperformed as a coach this year. Um, and Muschamp is say what you want about the guy; his team right now is in a lot better place than Pruitt's is. Um, and for South Carolina needs to come out. They need to they need to make a statement and just beat the snot out of Tennessee. That's what I was thinking. I looked at a preview earlier today about this game to just to see like what tennis. Because I like to see what Tennessee fans are thinking. And Tennessee Tennessee fans think well, we don't really have nothing going, but they're kind of the same bottom tier the SEC as us, so it should be fine. But if Carolina can go ahead at the beginning, maybe go ahead and jump out fourteen. Because usually if that offense gets rolling, it's like the confidence high. They can go ahead and go out front at the beginning. Then it's all right. We'll be fine because Tennessee definitely does not play catch up ball well. No, and, and look here. This is the last seven meetings of this you know game here. Last seven seven times South Carolina's played Tennessee, it's been decided by six points or less. And South Carolina's won four of them, and Tennessee's won two. But you like this is a team that they cons- that South Carolina consistently underperforms against, and Tennessee's not been a good like a dominant program. A good program. I, I want to say just a good program since they had two good years with Butch Jones and really since Fulmer, you know, and not even Fulmer's last year too, you know, it was a couple years before that in the early 2000s. That's crazy to think about, like Eric Berry days probably. Yeah. That's whenever they were, when that was Tim Tebow and Eric, that was when they were uh, one of the better programs. They were good. Yeah, Yeah, they were good then for sure, but that's that's been pretty much the last time that Tennessee's been like, I mean, a good team and, and above South Carolina's talent level. Um, so they're just going to have to come out and just – they really need a, a big win this week. Um, Muschamp – I do want to hit on this real quick. Muschamp is still pissed about the refs from last <laughs> week. He started his press conference this week kind of saying, hey, we're we're on to Tennessee. Two seconds later, he was back to talking about the refs. And I, I can tell it's just eating at him and pissing him off. And Ray Tanner had some comments on 107.5 game yesterday where he was like, look, it's frustrating, and I've been in constant contact with the SEC – and we want answers, but we're not getting them. And the reason, I, the larger reason I bring this up, I think most fans are kind of filled in on that stuff now that Muschamp's still a little pissed off, um, and as he should be. And uh, Tanner's pissed off, as he should be. Um, I think fans are frustrated with what Tanner has done, which I don't really get. What, what do, do you mean? Like, I've seen a lot of, like, oh, like, 
you know, Ray Tanner's got to get us answers on this. And, uh, and and especially the recruiting violation that came out this week for South Carolina. Saw that probation, right? Yeah, they. it's basically just a, they get a little slap on the wrist and they can't do quite as many things with the recruits over the next year. But it's, it's no – no bowl ban or anything. It really doesn't affect the program, um, and it, they'll just have to play a little stricter and a little, you know, a few extra rules. And a lot of fans were pissed that Tanner didn't kind of fight the things that other schools have because Alabama had very similar uh, situation happen with them a year or two ago, and nothing happened to their school. And the, and the blame has kind of been placed on Ray Tanner. That's that's not the you don't. That's not Ray Tanner. He's not gonna. He's not gonna come out and you know, not agree to take punishment. Here, you want, you want your program to not be in trouble. Don't cheat. Um, That's what I was about to say. Especially if they are guilty. Like maybe if it was a false accusation, it'd be like, no, we're not gonna take that. But if it's yeah, real, they had hardcore. NCAA had hardcore evidence. Did you so, ever figure out like what exactly that happened? So uh, a, a coach sent. 13 different text messages and met with a recruit uh, outside of, like, NCAA times. There are certain times you can contact recruits, like times of day. Um, it's very specific. Like the dead period, open period, all that stuff? Yeah, well, not even in, like, dead periods. Like, outside of, like, times that, like, yeah, we can speak to them, but you can't speak to them after this hour. Gotcha. That kind of thing. And there were 13 different text messages um, that, that were – sent outside of those time frames the coach was fired in the spring when this happened and the school the university of south carolina was not allowed to recruit this student athlete anymore okay and immediately south carolina quit recruiting him and it south carolina looked like they handled it very well and i do kind of think the ncaa was a little hard like it's frustrating that you are now limiting a program who saw they had a problem and eliminated that problem immediately and then now you're going to punish them even more. I I don't know. I don't I don't I don't really get because it's one guy's fault at the end of the day, um, and it's the guy, Lance Thompson, I believe was his name. That's what I was about to ask so, you. I was trying to figure out was it the tight ends guy or was it Lance Thompson, the defensive lineman guy? Because yeah. both of those guys left. I think the tight ends guy. I cannot think. Of I his think name. that just happened to be a coincidence that he left at the same time. Okay. Um, from everything that I have read. Yeah. Um, but Lance Thompson's name is directly linked to this situation okay this this is for sure the reason he is gone gotcha um so yeah he's gone and now this kid is a commit to clemson um of course so four-star okay. dn and i can't remember what high school he went to but i want to say it's in the columbia area um i could be wrong on that anyway that doesn't matter um so it, i mean that's just kind of the thing you got there but i brought i was starting trying to start and try to bring this up the BS, just absolute BS statement that Commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey, put out this week about officiating. And uh, I kind of, I'm pretty sure I was talking on, I can't, I was talking somewhere the other day with someone, or it, it might have been on the lead blog. I, I have so many conversations about football a week now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's when like, the officiating. Twitter account has not been doing what it's supposed to do and actually connecting with fans. Get rid of the account if you don't want to. If you don't want to talk about it, get rid of the account um, because it's frustrating that you made this big deal in the off season that you had an account and that this was you were gonna. It was created to be more transparent. We're not being very transparent at all. Um, you, 
this SEC officiating account is not doing anything. It's other than the fact that it is absolutely hilarious to look at because the comments are off the rails and they're they're awesome. Um, but yeah, Greg Sankey put out this BS, you know, statement this week, basically saying that the SEC uh, officials can't be perfect and that people shouldn't expect that. And then he kind of goes on to say we should try to be perfect. But here's my problem with it. And A, you didn't address any of the specific games that have been brought up this year. And there have been very serious outside of this South Carolina-Florida game last weekend. Because at the end of the day, I don't think the officials... Yeah, there's 14 points there that Florida scored on. But I, I also saw some plays from South Carolina that South Carolina scored on where you could have also had similar calls that were not as egregious. Right. Um, as it appeared to me. But still, nonetheless, missed calls. Um, there's a lot of points that got thrown around there. I think Florida had picked up the momentum and they were going to win that game anyway. Um, and South Carolina, if you shut defense, if the defense shuts down there in the fourth quarter and you keep them, you keep them from scoring 21 points um, in the fourth quarter, you probably win. Uh, but like, the Tennessee-Alabama game had a bunch of mistakes in it too. Um, very egregious in favor of Alabama, which is that going to affect the outcome of the game? No. But you still want to see officials take responsibility for the mistakes that they have made. Um, and that's my problem with it was, A, Sankey didn't talk about any of the specific examples that have been brought up this year. And I know a couple of LSU games have had problems, and I think an Auburn game or two, Auburn fans have been pissed off with different things. And you don't bring up any specific examples, and you don't explain anything, and you don't talk about any specific referees. You give this very general BS statement, and you could have said nothing and kept everything going, and now you just rile fans up again because you just said nothing. And it's a very just like a loophole statement that you're like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm reading. You know, I was lost in it very multiple times. I read it as soon as it came out. And as I bring up any specific examples, as I've said a few times now, but he also, like, this idea of, like, oh, like, well, we're not perfect. Dude, that's not an excuse. It is quite literally referees' jobs to be perfect. That is their <laughs> job. Whether you want to agree with that or not, like, I, do I expect them to be perfect and miss no calls? No. But I do agree every week they should be getting better to be perfect. And I think there are plenty of steps now that technology has allowed us, you know, different ways to officiate. Try to incorporate those things. Now, I'm not talking about just replays and, and adding more things for replays to change because I don't. Replays are frustrating to me because you get an idea where we have to stop the game and replay everything, and that kills the game. Yeah, it kills momentum. But if you have what the AAF had, uh, a live video official, he's in the booth. That's a heck of an idea. He's watching the game from the booth. And everything is live, and if he sees something in the booth that guys can't see on the field, makes a call down to the field and says, hey, throw a flag on this, boom. Why don't you kind of play with something like that? And uh, that's not anything the SEC is talking about, and that's the kind of progress I want to see. Uh, so we'll move, we'll move on from the officiating in South Carolina, Tennessee, because we're tight, and I feel like we're already running over on time. Um, we're going to stop. We're going to go quickly. Boston College is at number four, Clemson. Uh, Clemson's 34.5-point favorites. Um, Boston, they, Boston College usually at night plays Clemson pretty well. Usually Clemson will end up winning the game. Usually for the oh first yeah. half, you got Anthony Brown, who was their quarterback, who is out for the season with a torn ACL. It seems like torn ACLs are coming around like easily nowadays. Yep. 
And also, you have one of the Clemson defensive linemen named Richard Jurgen. He had a he was in a car accident. He ended up transferring out of Clemson, and now he's a defensive end for Boston College. That's an interesting story. I didn't know that. Yeah. So that one probably won't be very close. Producer Brendan will be in the house. Um, wearing full Gamecock gear. Wearing full Gamecock gear, rooting for the Eagles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, that'll be uh, just a boring game again this week for Clemson. Um, and Clemson's going to, I think, this season, if they miss out on the college football playoff, which I think Clemson fans, I don't think they will, but it's a possibility. I mean, Is you have Oklahoma State's undefeated, Ohio State stays undefeated. LSU has one loss to Alabama. That's very close. Alabama wins the SEC championship, goes undefeated. Don't give me Clemson. Yeah. They didn't because they didn't earn the right to be in, um, and which is sad because this is a very good team, and they're probably the best team in the country. But saying they're probably be the best team in the country and them going out on the field and proving it is two different things. And when you don't play a level of competition like the other schools have had in the country, um, I mean you just you got to prove it to me. So it, they've got to pick up their schedule out of conference schedule even more. And credit to Clemson, they've. Over the last few years, they've played Georgia and Texas A&M, and they've made uh, opportunity. They've created opportunities to go out and play high levels of competition. Now, Texas A&M doesn't look that good this year because they're four and three right now, um, but and they just haven't looked good. You're going to have to go out and now instead of those two things, and, and when South Carolina, if South Carolina is better, that makes Clemson's schedule better. But still, the, the two best teams, if say A&M's the top twenty-five team this year, and South Carolina's the top twenty-five this team this year. The only people that are good on your schedule are two out-of-conference games. So it might be, you know, I've said before, say in the SEC, if this keeps working because you're just going to steamroll over people. Um, and I would do that if I was Clemson, but at some point, you, like, you got us. You, you need to start scheduling strong. I'd love to see Clemson play some Big Ten teams. And when they had Notre Dame a couple years ago and Louisville was good and Florida State was good, you're good. But you can't. Right now, you cannot depend on the ACC to be good. So nope. you're going to have to schedule more out-of-conference big games um, because it's not – Clemson football is not an entertaining product to watch right now, which is, I think, exactly how they want it. So I can't blame them for that. But, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I would – I've said many times I would do the same thing that they're doing, like, institutionally as far as to – we'll play this team that sucks and beat the crap out of them because we're going to go to the college football playoff anyway. So there you go. Um Number nine, Auburn going to the actual Death Valley um, <laughs> in Baton Rouge this week. 3.30 CBS. Yep, 3.30 CBS. LSU's 10.5-point favorites. Um, we'll keep it quick here. I don't think Auburn's got a chance. So 10.5 seems a bit large, but we saw LSU just steamroll Florida's defense. And Florida's defense – I mean, they outplayed Auburn on the same field down in the Swamp a few weeks ago. Um, Auburn does have a really good defense. So uh, Auburn's going to score a little more than they have this this season. Their offense has been kind of shaky. I think a lot of it is Bo Nix just being a freshman. Um, and they have a pretty good running back in Whitlow. But they have some playmakers. But I don't, I don't think they can contend with LSU. And I was very heavy on Auburn early in the season. And, Watching them play Florida earlier this year kind of set me off from them. Quick question: uh, Was Bo Nix is he an early enrollee or did he get there this summer? I do not know. 
Okay, because I if cannot he, answer that question. Because if he got here this summer, he's had a heck of a first semester. He goes on the like you know the normal college student the first semester you kind of get acclimated a little bit with campus and stuff like this. This dude has been to the Cowboy State and play against Oregon. He's been to the swamp. Now he's going to Death Valley all in his first year of college. First SEC semester football. College. There that you go. is freaking amazing. That's, I mean. That's what you get in the SEC. I guess playing in those venues will once again help him play at LSU. I bet he's so happy this is not a night game because that would be horrible. Not saying it'd be horrible, but I'm sure he likes to play in those big games. But Oh, the, the, the more time you get LSU fans to get drunk, the louder they get. Yeah. So it, it'll be an awesome environment anyway. Um, I'm looking forward to Coach O saying, <clears throat> saying go Tigers on, um, on multiple sideline interviews Saturday. <laughs> so I will I will try to be watching that one. Um I, like I said, I don't think Auburn really stands much of a chance. So Mississippi State, oh, let me go back. Ten and a half. When I saw that line earlier, LSU minus ten and a half. I'm like, man, I don't know if LSU is going to cover that. Not like, I just literally just when I looked at it, when I flipped from Boston College to Clemson, I was like, they're going to beat the crap out of Auburn. Yeah, yeah. So maybe play with that 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 spread a little bit. LSU minus ten and a half. Uh, Mississippi State at A and M. A and M is a ten and a half point favorite. Um, uh, this one actually I have and I don't have in the picks of the week. All right, I saw this earlier. Um, also, not to hate on the Spurs up show at all because very good show by the way. Uh, I saw his gambling picks this week and I looked at him. He tweeted him out and he does all SEC picks, um, which is cool. And he picked A and M to cover ten and a half points, and then he picked a few other games. And I was like, I would. I would just go opposite of everything he said. No offense to him. Fade him this week. Right. Uh, Spurs up show somewhere on Twitter. Just go look at his his tweets and fade him, and you'll win money. Um, I've never lied to you. And so Mississippi State, I think, is going to cover 10.5. Um, they're not very good, but neither is Texas A&M. And Mississippi State has shown they can beat teams. They beat the crap out of Kentucky. So... Um, yeah, I mean they're good. They're a good team, and A&M's better than Kentucky. But I think you know, and it being in Kyle Field, I don't really think Kyle Field is great. But when your team isn't good enough to live up to the fans, it doesn't really matter. Um, Every time I've seen A&M on TV, they've disappointed me. So I'm going yep. against them for the most part. Yeah, I think Mississippi State is going to be decent. No, I still think A&M. I think A&M will win by a touchdown. I don't think they're covered to ten and a half. Um, next, we'll go to the Big Ten. On Fox at noon, the game that's just got ruined for us by Illinois, kind of. Um, but no discredit to them. Congrats on their win against Wisconsin last weekend. Number 13, Wisconsin going to Columbus to take on the number three Buckeyes. Ohio State's a 14.5-point favorite in this one, which is a big line. Um, God, I was. it just sucks so much that Wisconsin lost last weekend because I was looking forward to this game for, like, Four weeks. Yeah. Since Wisconsin, longer since Wisconsin, I had no doubts Ohio State would be undefeated at this point in the state in the season. Since Wisconsin beat the crap out of Michigan at home, I've been looking forward to this game, and they just went to Champaign last weekend and ruined it. Yeah. So they screwed themselves. Um, probably looking ahead to this game, uh, and but you still have a very good Wisconsin defense um, and a really good as usual, offensive line and running back for Wisconsin. Um, those are those two things you can always guarantee. You can always guarantee Wisconsin will have five pro guys that can go play somewhere in the NFL in their offensive line and a guy in the backfield who can go play somewhere in an NFL backfield because they just that's what they do. They 
they build an offensive lineman, and they go find a running back. And it, I got to imagine that's a pretty easy commitment for a running back to say, hey, how easy is that commitment? You go sit down, Paul Chris, go sit down in someone's living room, and you go, hey, man, yeah, you can go here or there. Or you can go do this flashy stuff elsewhere. But look at these five guys you're going to be running behind. Have them walk in the room. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you wanna go, you know, hurl some guys at Oregon or maybe make a spin move or two at UCLA? Or you want to come run behind these kids and never get touched? So yeah. I can't imagine that's a hard recruiting pitch uh, for a running back there. And, I mean, they've, they have a really good running game. So we'll see how it goes. I, I just, man, I think Fields is going to really go off though yeah I I think so too and also to go back to that it's like and the thing that Wisconsin said they do this thing consistently too year in and year out they have the uh one of the better running backs and a great offensive line in general now what I will tell you is Jonathan Taylor who has 957 yards and 15 touchdowns I was surprised J.K. Dobbins only 10 yards behind him he is 947 okay. and seven touchdowns. Ohio State does have the fifth, the fifth rank offense uh, uh, for total offense in the country, and their defense has been averaging eight points per game, allowing eight points a game. And you know they have the junior sensation Chase Young, who has nine half sacks. And I'm I'm hitting a lot of stats here. And their quarterback for Wisconsin has completed 76 percent of his passes. His name is Jake Cohn. and he has six uh, receivers who have 15 or more receptions. And Ohio State has ten interceptions. So, but all that to say, it's a lot of like, okay, they have but this, but they have that, and so yeah. it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good matchup. But I expect Ohio State to win. Yeah, by. I do expect Ohio State to win by at least ten points here. Yeah. And um, God, it just sucks that Wisconsin lost last weekend. It really does. But this could be a, still be a preview of the Big Ten championship game. But there's someone in Wisconsin's own division that they're gonna have to worry about later in the season. Minnesota is undefeated. So, P.J. Fleck is just rowing the boat. Um, and they, I mean, when he first went there from Central Michigan, it was like, oh, man, this Minnesota's going to be good. And they just weren't. And now they are. They're here. So, they're rowing along. Um, when Minnesota's quietly putting together a very good season, they're somewhere in the top 15 right now. Um, but outside of the top 10, I think 13 maybe. Um, that's noon on Fox. Should be an interesting game. We'll learn – this is, this is Ohio State's first test. Um, and, you know, they still got Penn State, and they've still got an average Michigan team. Um, so, I mean, we'll – which God, Ohio State is going to beat the crap out of Michigan this year. And, um, we'll, I mean, we'll see. It, it's it's going to be interesting more so to watch Ohio State because I don't think we're going to learn more about Wisconsin because of their loss last week. It just hurt them so bad. Uh Another game that's pretty big with a Big Ten team in it. Um, Notre Dame, number eight Notre Dame, is minus one point at Michigan, number 19 Michigan. Um, I think Notre Dame, just Michigan's, God, I love to hate on Notre Dame. <laughs> Actually, in my notes, I, I just the only thing I wrote for this game was can both teams lose. Um, <laughs> but I love to, as much as I love to hate on Notre Dame, uh, they do have a decent team, and I don't think they're, I think they'll win this game. Um, I don't think they'll win it handily, but seven points, ten points, maybe fourteen. Yeah, I, think, I, just, I don't see Michigan winning this game at all. Yeah, I think Brian Kelly definitely gets uh, Notre Dame up to play for this one. One thing about Michigan, did you see Shea Patterson's statement where no, he I did said not. last week uh, 
was that? Shit. Who, who did Notre Dame? I mean, who mission play last week? Um, give me a second. I'm thinking. Go ahead. What what were they about to? What were well, they anyway, about to she say? Patterson. He was saying they were Penn State was poking his eyes out, and they made all those statements like that. Penn State. Yeah, he was at the Duh. bottom of the pile, and I could imagine he was like that. Was, he was. They had their hands in his eye for like six seconds. I'm like, that's why you wear the. Uh, Bowser, because that could be painful. You imagine you had a bowler pal, and then like nobody's like getting up, so you're kind of just stuck there. Yeah, who was that down in Florida that did that against Vandy years ago? Was that Brandon Spikes? Maybe sounds like Brandon um, Spikes poked him. I used to love watching him in Florida. He was nasty. Those uh, were some. Where's he's not still with New England? He wasn't. He was a New England guy for a while. Um, but anyway, yeah, that game's at seven thirty on ABC, so you will get Herbie calling it. So, which will be interesting. Herbie kind of ripped on Michigan fans last week for kind of skimping out in their team and just just being a little harsh on them. Um, but, I, I mean, I understand the hatred of, like, or just the frustration that Michigan fans have. And I think they're getting a little frustrated with Harbaugh. But, I mean, like, something's going to have to change there. Uh, we'll roll right into the picks of the week as we move along here on the lead block. Uh, Penn State is on the road at Michigan State. Penn State minus five and a half this weekend. I take easy six points there, uh, Penn State. So take Penn State minus five and a half at Michigan State. Um, I, I just don't see Michigan State. Michigan State's decent. I don't see them hanging around with Penn State that close. Um, Texas, money line, it's, only, it's minus 125. Take it at TCU. They're only a one and a half point favorite, Texas is, at TCU. Which is pretty interesting. Uh, 3.30 on Fox there. Just safe bet of the week. Texas is number 15 now in the nation, I think. Um, which is about where I said last week, which is about where they should be. Um, yeah, Texas money line at TCU. I think that's pretty easy money. Uh, Oklahoma State. Here's where it gets interesting. So Oklahoma State is a 10.5 point road dog at Iowa State. Um, take the spread and you'll be fine. But if you want to make some money, take Oklahoma State money line. Uh, plus 305. Um, that's a pretty good line. I think you're, you got to, Iowa State's a good team, but Oklahoma State is also a good team. And I don't think Iowa State is 10.5 points better than Oklahoma State any day of the week ever. Uh, Ames has got a little magic, but it, I just, it doesn't, I, I just feel like Oklahoma State's going to go and, if not win this game, be very, 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 very close. Very competitive. Yes. Uh, that's 330 on FS1. Um, Making a debut on the picks of the week. This I feel like I pick Oklahoma State game every every week. Um, making a debut on the picks of the week. I always stay away from betting South Carolina football games. Um, but four and a half seems a little light at Tennessee. Uh, I think South Carolina wins by seven points or more this year. Um, God, I hope so. I hate that USC is kind of the same sentence as Tennessee. I guess I hope yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. But yeah, I think it was, shouldn't be. I no. mean, South Carolina just said, and this I mean, this is just the thing with South Carolina football is year after year after year after year, with the exception of three years there, um, they performed down to the level of their competition, and they they play to the level of their competition, and they play just good enough to hang on with really good teams and lose in the last minute. And they play just bad enough to scrap away against bad teams. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I, I think four and a half points. You just you got to take that four and a half points at Tennessee. You got to take it. So give me South Carolina minus four and a half there. Four o'clock on the ESPN or SEC Network. Excuse me. Um, other one, a little going back to the Big Twelve. I, I love betting on Big Twelve games. Um, 
Kansas money line plus 165 at home against Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a four and a half uh, favorite. I think did I read that right? I can't. All right, that game. Can you look that up? Look up Kansas Texas Tech for me and see where they're at. I might have wrote that down wrong. Um, Texas Tech is a four and a half point favorite. Um, Kansas has had a really good year. They went up to BC and beat the crap out of Boston College. That game's in Kansas. It's in Kansas. Okay, all right. So I did write it down right. Yeah, you get Kansas at home, less miles, putting together some something. You can see the, the early construction of something there. Um, and they're starting to get a few recruits in Kansas. And this may be a decent team in a couple of years. I'm not saying they're going to be a top-10 team. I don't, I don't think that's – I just don't think you can recruit like that at Kansas. Maybe bowl eligible, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, they've got two wins right now, but they almost beat Texas last week. Uh, and, and they've been a competitive team in pretty much every game they played this year. Um, so I think taking them at home plus 165 is an opportunity to win a few bucks. Um, that game is at 7 on FS1 as well. So go ahead and just stick your TV on FS1 uh, at, what, 3.30 on Friday? What's the other game on FS1? There's a, there's another big game at, like, 3.30 or something. Oh, Oklahoma State. There you go. Yeah. What Bet on bet on Oklahoma State and Kansas Moneyline and just stick it on FS1 and collect some cash. Um, unfortunately for myself, I, I'm going to miss a lot of football this weekend. Uh, at a wedding on Saturday. Oh God! Yeah, so not looking, not looking forward to missing the football. Um, and it's at five, which is there's no good time. I wish it was at eight a.m. But <laughs> uh, so and I will be missing. But I'll, at some point during the reception, I'll have plenty of games on my phone. Um, so there'll be no dancing. No, probably not. There'll be well, depending on how some of these games I bet on go, there might be some dancing. So. <laughs> Hopefully we we uh, we pull out this week. I've had a few down weeks. I'll say. Um, I think I'm three and three, no, five and five over the last two weeks. Um, so I got to pick it back up. But we were hot to start of the year, um, which I always I'm always hot to start of the year. Matt, are you going to high school game this week? Nah, no high school games this week. I'll be back at them next week. Should be though. Okay. All right. So, Tio. So yeah, we'll move on from football. Uh, baseball. I watched. Been able to watch the early part of the World Series this week because uh, you know they're they haven't started until eight, so I usually hit the hay before the fifth or sixth inning. But the Nationals are killing it. Um, they just what, the DC team just what are they the Mystics or something just won the WNBA. Um, they're they're look like they're about to, surprisingly. Washington DC is about to have more pro sports titles in the city of Boston this year. Um, because the Red Sox are out. Uh, I mean, there's none left other in Boston this year. They've got one, which is, I mean, it's just a funny thought. Um, but, yeah, I think the Nationals are going to win the World Series. And I didn't see that coming in. I felt weird about them. They were carrying a lot of momentum. I mean, they're hot. But they just trounced Eric Cole um, and Verlander last night. So they, they got through the, the Astros' two toughest guys. And then... The Nationals' three, four guys, three, four, five are better than Astros' three, four, five pitchers. So, Strasburg and and uh, and and Max Scherzer pitched well enough to win um, both both games earlier this week. It's been an interesting World Series. I really think the Nationals are going to win, which is going to really kick Bryce Harper right in the ass. I know it leaves, but the Phillies just hired Joe Girardi today, Thursday. 
Um, and also the Cubs hired David Ross this week. I think Ross is – I love David Ross for the Cubs. He used to be the catcher there. He was also the catcher for the Red Sox in 2013 when they won the World Series. Um, yeah, I'm, that move is going to be interesting because I like that David Ross is going to the Cubs. Hopefully he can kind of bring that group back together. He still knows that team. I mean, he just won a World Series with them three years ago. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Rossi glues those guys together and if they can make progress and move on from Joe Madden, um, who is now with the L.A. Angels. Um, and Joe Girardi going to the Phillies. The God, the Yankees are so stupid for getting rid of him because Aaron Boone will not win a World Series in New York. He just looks too dumb to do it. <laughs> and basically, sometimes, sometimes if you just look too dumb to do it, you're too dumb to do it. The Yankees, I have no doubts. If they had Joe Girardi still as their manager, they would be World Series champions this year, no question. Um, but, I mean, Cashman felt a different way, uh, the Yankees GM, so they moved on. Joe Girardi's in Philly, so Philly might actually be good next year like they were supposed to be this year. Uh, I, th- I thought we were going to get Girardi in Chicago and not the other way around. Um, but anyway, there we go. We will. We got a special guest on today, uh, Ian Pizzini. Yes. So Matthew's friend, talk a little Ravens. Um, so we will have Ian on, talk a little NFL right now. All right, Ian, how you doing? I'm great, I'm great. Thanks how for coming you? on. Thanks for having me. So we're, Matthew's telling me you're a big Ravens fan. Huge. So Biggest we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Actually, uh, the Ravens. Okay, so we're diving right into the Ravens. They're okay. diving right in. Ravens. Now they do have a bye week this week after a big win against who they played last week. Seahawks. Okay. So what do you think about this year as a team overall? This year as a team, uh, open-ended question. Hmm, I like where you're starting. Uh, <laughs> the defensive secondary is rock solid. I think we need another pass rusher before the trade deadline. There are rumors that they might be going after Ryan Kerrigan from uh, the Redskins, so he's not going to go far. <laughs> um, I love the uh, aggressive run game that can set up pass. And what surprised me a lot was we come out on first down, first possession of the game, and we throw bombs, which, like I said, it surprised me, but it makes sense now that I've seen it because then the defense has got to respect Lamar's pass game, which opens up his run game and Mark Mark Ingram's run game. He's got an underrated cannon. Most definitely. I mean, people are starting to catch your eye, but, like, Lamar, when he first came in the league, is like, oh, he's going to run everywhere. But, I mean, he's got a cannon. Mm-hmm. You love to see whenever he gets with Hollywood Brown, especially like the, the deep over the shoulder balls. That oh yeah, the, the couple that we saw in Miami. Yeah, yeah, those are the ones specifically. Also, do you think the Ravens' defense is back to being where it was when uh, Ray Lewis was there? Uh, you, you, I don't think you can say that. Yeah, they were uh, murdering people on the field, not so much off the field. <laughs> that's, uh, that's up for debate. Um, <laughs> But no, they're not there yet. Like I said, they need um, the linebackers have been kind of a disappointment with uh, Patrick Mwasawa or Peanut the Nut as he goes by on Instagram. What Patrick Mwasawa? I I totally butchering that name. Number forty eight, the Baltimore Ravens. So and closer the, than I'm gonna be. In the off season, the Ravens <laughs> let C.J. Mosley walk. He wanted too much money, which I think that was a good move of, after seeing his production on the Jets and had been injured the whole time on the Jets. But I think Peanut will just call him. Uh, hasn't filled as much as we would have liked him to. Yeah. And we brought back, um, I'm blanking on the guy's first name, Fort. We signed him again. He was a Raven before, and he's come back. Had a really good game against the Seahawks, and I liked what I saw out of that. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to let C.J. Mosley, okay. Alabama guy, walk. It's tough to when you get, like, an Alabama guy walk. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they played very well. So... Matthew, you got a next question? Or I got a couple. 
yeah, I got one more. Go ahead. So initially, whenever Lamar Jackson, well, on this about this game, when y'all drafted Lamar Jackson off the rip, did you realize that that was the guy you wanted, or were you looking at a different quarterback potentially? Uh, no, I was like a kid on Christmas. I was so excited. I, don't, I can't remember that night. I'll tell you that much. That's surprising. <laughs> That's honestly surprising. I was yeah. I was gonna ask you that if you thought Lamar was. If you were happy about it. Oh, I, extremely. Okay. I mean, my friends knew I was pulling for Lamar to the Ravens when they drafted uh, Hayden Hurst at 25th yep. out yep. of South Carolina. I was like, oh, why do we need a tight end? I, we don't need a tight end. And then we traded back and got that 32nd pick in the first round, got Lamar. Yeah, it was, it was a good night. <laughs> so you weren't happy with Hayden? Uh, or you it's not that confused? I wasn't happy. It's just that I really, really wanted Lamar. Yeah, so. you guys have a good group of tight ends there. And what do you got? Uh, Andrews. Andrews. Yeah. Mark yeah. Andrews. Uh Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle, yep. and they're all different. So you got, which I expected Hayden Hurst to be our primary receiving tight end. Uh, Nick Boyle is that goal line type, big package where he's going to block, get his nose dirty. And then Mark Andrews, I was expecting him to be a hybrid, but he's really stepped up this season, and he's been the main guy. His Mar Jackson safety blanket. I mean, you've seen it. Yeah, I mean Hayden caught a touchdown in the uh, the one week I started him in fantasy, so maybe I'll. Uh keep starting him in fantasy and he'll catch some more touchdowns for you that might be a wise decision yeah but i mean it looks like you guys are gonna blow through your division now because the browns are underperforming i said it from day one the browns were good on paper but they're the browns they got freddie kitchens who's in over his head (laughs) he's a rookie head coach with diva receivers and a second year quarterback who's been hyped up way too much and they're just gonna fall flat which is exactly what they've done what happened in the game when y'all lost to the browns uh, it's a divisional game. I mean, you, you, you play them twice a year. You know how hard it is to beat a team twice in a year because they can game plan. And exactly, we see them twice a year, so we're going to see them again. We know what we did wrong. We know what we did right. And we know what they did wrong. We know what we did right. So we're going to take advantage of it, hopefully, if we – I mean, John Harbaugh is one of the best coaches in the NFL, so I think we'll be able to capitalize on it. But, I mean, we just didn't come out and play our best game. And the Ravens do not play well from behind. Yeah. They better. like to get that lead. What about uh, What about Duck? Doc Hodges with uh, Pittsburgh. How do you how do you like him? Uh, I mean, I know you don't like Steelers, but yeah, you know the Steelers. You know, a lot of people had them high up earlier in the season. Yeah, but I knew. I mean, they lost Le'Veon Bell. They lost Antonio Brown. Ben Roethlisberger's fallen off a cliff. I didn't expect much from them, and they've, I mean, they've done what I've expected them to do. Yeah. So I mean, they'll. I don't know. I just kind of feel like the Steelers will always just bounce back a little. Yeah. Yeah. But, I still see like rankings have them not as low as they should be. Yeah. I think they should be between somewhere 25, 32 in the power rankings, but I think last time I saw it, they were at 19. Yeah, they still get a little bit of that Steelers, like, name credibility yeah. kind of thing. And everybody loves Tomlin, too. So yeah. Tomlin being a head coach, what string quarterback are they on at this point? Third. third. Yeah, what, Mason Rudolph uh, got hurt in the Ravens game, right? Yeah. Yeah, and... Um, Don't try what's, to what's end his life. <laughs> okay. It was... Uh, <laughs> was that Tony Jefferson that came up and hit him? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, definitely scary as... I mean, a fan, you don't root for injuries, but that was, uh, that was a brutal hit. Yeah, it looked like you just caught him in the... like Almost like right an uppercut. Yeah, yeah. The, the crown of his helmet just yeah. hit his chin and yep. out cold before he hit the ground and then obviously his head hit the ground again so that's two big hits to the cranium yeah he was a like a, just a dead fish did um, he catch a fine for that one i don't think so no, i don't think not that i heard about um it looked like just an unfortunate circumstance yeah, that's yeah awesome. it, it, i don't think it was like um on purpose or anything he didn't he wasn't head hunting him at all i think he was just playing the game of football i mean it's a dangerous game 
That's what you signed up for. Exactly. So, all right, we got we got Ravens in, but Matthew and I don't talk a lot of NFL oh. on the on the lead block because college football takes up so much time. Yeah. And then we look at these games every week and just get excited about it and keep running. But it's good to, to have a little NFL. Um, but so two big trades this week in the NFL. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders going to the undefeated 49ers. Yep. And Muhammad's new going to the I mean, greatest I mean the greatest dynasty in sports history in the Patriots and they're undefeated again for now. It's, so for now, yeah. It's yeah. so funny cuz uh you saw things on Twitter it's like Sanu woke up, wait, went to sleep 1 and 5, <laughs> one and, five and then one wakes six, up 7 and 0. Oh. Yep. I figured that one of those receivers going to go to either one of those places. I just didn't know how it was going to be because I think Shanahan is a connection to the Rutgers if I'm not mistaken. And so he could he coached Sanu at, however it was. I thought Sanu was going to end up in California. Okay. But I, I didn't sh- know that. I didn't know that he had a connection at Rutgers. I had no idea. Yeah, but I'm sure he's excited to uh I want to go play with the great one, right? And then, yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is from SMU. Yep. Who has been, they're undefeated right now. They're 7-0? and Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, first time they've been relevant since 1980. So, I mean, you got, like, two small school guys, like, big name in the NFL, which happens, like, all the time. I mean, where did Duck Hodges, like, speak? We just talked about Duck. He played at Southern Miss, I think. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I guess they have Brett Favre, but... The NFL is like the league of small town guys going play in the big cities, or whatever, and like leading the team. You even have the guy I, uh, I want what team running back that came in last week. Hold on, that was Look cool. her up. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, kind of like you were saying, they're small. I think like the NFL is so like, the talents are so niche to their position. Yep. You can't like just get whoever's good in in college and just plug them in. And I think that was a lot of the worry with people with Lamar was how is he going to be able to play pro defenses, which he played. I mean, he did play Clemson's defense. It's You can't equate any college defense to an NFL defense. Yeah, they're just not, not as fast all around, and they're not as, not as strong. Um, but he did see two like pretty good defenses in college with Clemson and, and Florida State had a decent defense at the time when he was at Louisville. But – you like that game is so much different, and I think the special thing about Lamar is kind of what I thought we'd see out of Baker, which we haven't seen so far. Is Lamar has been able to just heave the ball, yep, and, he ha- and he's accurate enough. Great improviser too. Yeah, and then but he also allows himself to like space to run, and I thought Baker would have been the one to step up more between the two of them. As did many. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, most people. I think most people expected the same thing. But I think Lamar and the way their offense is just designed and the playmakers they have around, like, just tight ends. Like, oh, those yeah. tight ends just help the big tight so ends, much. a big body in the middle of the field for a young quarterback. He can roll out, get some room. He's young, athletic, got some speed. And then they just improvise, right? So these tight ends break their routes after however many seconds, and he finds them in open field. Yeah, but we'll go back to the two trades this week. What did you think about – I'm interested to hear, like, your opinion as, like, a – NFL guy as far as like Matthew and I kind of focus more on college football at least on this show I mean I definitely do I, I'm a college football guy through and through but what did you think about here you have two undefeated teams like acquiring and we're some just good starting receivers, to see yeah. that in the NFL mm-hmm. like I mean baseball it's always been trade deadline go get a big guy yeah. in the NFL it's really only happened the last couple of years I think it makes it interesting uh, Muhammad Sanu to the Patriots makes a lot of sense with Josh Gordon on IR yep. they've been having offensive troubles all year and 
I don't think Tom Brady is playing as well as he's, I mean, done in the past. I know I'm going to bite my words and eat my words yeah, and bite yeah, my tongue on that because every other year I say, oh, Tom Brady's no longer what he used to be, and then he wins a Super Bowl in like three or four months. So, <sighs> Yeah, and do, do you think that Patriots are going to go again? To the Super Bowl? Yeah. I think they have a good chance. I just think that, I mean, they play better in December. They don't normally play the best football early on in the season because yeah. offensive naturally gets uh, – takes a lot more time and a lot more work than defense where a lot of times it's like you have this assignment get there get there fast where offense it's you got to work together get that chemistry and time it up so naturally a good offense takes longer to get going yeah i mean their defense has been unreal this it's year. historical i think this is the best defense ever at least statistically yeah i mean that happened um, they've been like it's the old it's the first three super bowls that they once defense like those patriots teams were built off defense yeah Teddy Bruschi, right? yeah Teddy Bruschi era. yeah they, like Bruski and those guys, like, it's they sh- they shut teams down, and like you're seeing that with like, I mean, like Brendan and I uh, were sitting like at home the other night watching the Pats and Jets, and just talking about the number of guys they have on defense that are just like solid. Dante Hightower's been there forever, another Alabama guy. 2009 national championship team. Yep, and Jamie Collins is good, and the McCourty twins, and Kyle Van Oy, and Gilmore's been the best cornerback in the league you know, the last two seasons. Yep. And we had a pick the other night, Gamecock, Gamecock guy, four picks against, I mean, uh, still kind of the Jets. Yeah, but still an NFL Darnold, team. But they're still an NFL team, and to be able to force four turnovers in an NFL game is pretty unreal. So It's kind of funny. I had, uh, I have the, on fantasy football, I have the New York Giants, oh God, I have the New England Patriots. And so I ended up, I was down like, yeah, defense. I was down like 13 points, like, dang it, I lost this week. It was like, I still end end up winning. I'm like, what in the world? Four turnovers, right? I don't don't know about your guys' league, but in my leagues, the Patriots defense are pulling like 20, 37 points. They really are. They're they're pulling more than quarterbacks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're pulling more. Actually, I have Lamar, so, and Baker. Yeah. Um, and then I made the mistake the first two weeks of starting Baker and just left like 40 points on the bench with Lamar yeah. twice. And then I've started Lamar every week since. Unfortunately, I can't start him this week. So I need Baker to pull something out. But, all right, Ian, we're going to have you back on later. So I don't know if Matthew's asked you yet. But nah. this is kind of a – now you got to come back on. Okay. But okay. let's get a – we'll get a prediction for you uh, for the Ravens. So in the next – how do you think they're going to do in – what do you think their their final record is going to be? They're what like they've lost what two three games now. They've two? lost two games. Yep. So they lost to the Browns, a division rival, by fifteen. Yep. Um, and then they lost to the Chiefs in Arrowhead by five. Um, we got the bye week now, and then we got the Patriots. Which honestly, I thought the uh, Seahawks game was going to be a lot tougher than it was. The defense, two defensive touchdowns, was great. The, the, our defense scored more points than the Seahawks offense. So the Seahawks D is unreal too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give us a prediction here. Um. Let me look over the schedule again one more time. But I remember I had early season predictions anywhere between eleven and five and thirteen and three, which okay. thirteen and three was a little hopeful. Obviously, yeah. it's it, a little biased. It's but. still a little hopeful, but it's not out of the question. I mean, I I don't think beating the Patriots is going to be tough. I know? think we are set up perfectly for a game against the Patriots to go down to the wire and walk away with a win. 
We have home field advantage. We're coming off of a bye week. And they're playing our division rival, the Browns, who yep. we didn't play well against. So we're going to have film on that, seeing what they did well against the Browns and what the Browns did well against the Patriots. And we can compare our Browns film and their Browns film and have a really good understanding with a lot of time to prepare for this. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's as good as conditions to get to face the Patriots. Yeah, mm-hmm. can't get no better. You just got to execute. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll welcome you back. All right, last question. I saw when you walked in, you, you got your, your – uh, your Cleveland Cavs shirt on. So the Cavs have Sundarius, and uh, me and Brendan regularly say he's going to throw up 100 each night. I'm not a big basketball guy, but Sundarius throwing up 100 this year. I actually have no idea who that is. Sundarius, (laughs) how long have you been here? So you're a USC student? Yes. How long have you been here? First semester was last spring. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. And I don't follow basketball whatsoever. Yeah, we've been here way too long. Final so. four run. Yeah, f- final four it's run. Where are you from? I'm from New Hampshire. Okay. Um, okay. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't think that interesting that you're not a Patriots fan. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Sundarius <laughs> led the Cox to their final four run. So, I know we keep saying he's going to throw up a, a hundred each night. We're very hopeful. We're very, very hopeful. We're, we're a big Sundarius household. But, yeah, <laughs> Ian, it's great having you on. Uh, like I said, we'll get you on again. Yeah. And... We'll talk some more Ravens. More I'd love to. Round table. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, I'd like to say thank you to Ian for joining us. Good to talk some Ravens with him. Talk Lamar, a little Lamar talk. Uh, Lamar is on the bye. The Ravens are on the bye this week. We'll have Ian back on uh, at some point in the football season later on, maybe a little towards December when things start to really get heat up and the playoff picture is shaping up. Um, glad to have him on. Hoping to get some more guests on in the over the next few weeks. Um, really good to have him. Uh, we'd like to remind you that this has been a production of Garnet Media, and we'd like to say a special thank you to Pin Sound for our music. Um, please go follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at the lead underscore block. Go follow Matthew on Instagram and Twitter at Matt the Chosen One with the number one. Uh, go follow myself on Twitter at Tyler Walter CNR. I also. If you go to my Twitter and you want to read that statement that Sankey put out that I was talking about earlier, I retweeted it yesterday or quote tweeted it. It's up there. Just go click on it or go to the SEC officiating account and you'll see it. Um, and actually go to the SEC officiating account and just read the comments on it. And But, yes, go follow us. Go follow the show. Go rate, subscribe, and review. Give us five stars on Apple um, or wherever else you listen to us on. Uh, CastBox or whatever else the millions of podcast apps out there um and share share with your friends uh it's we love doing this as we always say we like we like doing this it's fun talks come in here and talk sports a couple times a week uh we'll keep doing it and we would like to see our podcast grow if you have any questions or any topics you want to talk about on the show hit the show uh in the comments on twitter when we post the episode link or uh, Instagram DMs, or Twitter DMs, or mine or Matthew's Twitters, um, and let us know. We will be more than happy to talk about them um, and discuss any questions. And I think that's it. You got any last words, Matthew? No, that's all. All right, that's it. We'll see how the Cox do this week. Minus four and a half. Take that. <laughs> go we'll Cox. S- go Cox and Brendan. We'll see, see you Monday. We'll see you Monday. Peace. Thank you.